0: we're back for another episode of mastermind and right now we're trying to bring you some killer insights that can help you from bfcm and beyond this week we're joined by mandy moshe who is the founder of resident consulting she previously headed up retention marketing at common thread collective and some other main street B- ddc brands that you've heard of before we dig into some common mistakes that founders and operators make when thinking about retention marketing my favorites are about how often people forget how high in the funnel retention actually sits and can help you go forward, and understanding how your customer and their needs can lead to massive gains on the retention front. There are a lot of tactical pieces of gold in here, so I hope you stick around. Also, a little note, maybe even a gift from the sponsor of this episode, AKA my team. If you're looking to scale up your creative learnings and ad creation, come check out Pencil and use the code AC15 to get 15% off all paid plans. Now onto the gold. Look at that. We have Mandy Moshe. She is the founder of resident consulting. Um, she is an incredible, incredible lifecycle marketer. And, uh, we're back here for mastermind with her to talk about how you should make your customers into, um, like revenue machines for your business. Um, by making them love your business, um, for, uh, and we want to think about black Friday and BFCM, but also how that extends into 2023 and beyond. Um, Mandy, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, so I'm going to layer on what I think and then just tell me I'm a moron. Um, so (laughs) I, um, I really look at growth in general for a business, um, As how do you lift the floor of kind of sustainable customer growth? And I don't mean that just acquisition, but how do you make them into long term customers that then you can invest that capital back into acquisition because you've paid back that initial investment, but also that they bring down your acquisition costs because they are helping you get new customers because they are so happy with what they have experienced, um, both in their initial, like with the product, but also with the interactions with the, uh, with the, um, w- with your brand. And so mm-hmm. I think one of the underloved things in that process is lifecycle. And so you get a customer, they land on your landing uh, landing page, say they purchase and they they've enjoyed the offer. And then it becomes the retention and life cycle job to make them into long-term customers and make sure they're experienced through that. So it's like CX plus lifecycle growth team doing that. And so that's my, that's how I look at things. How do you look at how people should be thinking about this and how, like where lifecycle sits in kind of this journey that the customer has long-term with any brand?
1: Yeah, I think it actually sits a little further up the funnel at times because oftentimes you're getting people coming to the site and they're not converting when they first get to the site. So you're getting that initial sign up for email or SMS and email marketing or SMS marketing can play a really key role in nurturing people to that first conversion and really educating people about a brand and the UVP and the product assortment. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a big piece of it. Um, but I think other, other than that, you pretty much hit the nail on the head.
0: Well, I'm going to tell my wife that I got it right the first time. That's very exciting. <laughs> um, so... In this space, so I, first of all, I think that's a really, really important thing to remember is lifecycle lives higher in the funnel than we think it does. And we need to essentially be able to answer for that leakage that we have in terms like our conversion leakage, right? Because that is something that, you know, we're able to really, really answer for in the lead up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And let's just say people are starting to, I mean, because they're going to, everyone's going to start running things at the beginning of November. Right. November is it is BFCM month. Let's just call it that. Mm Uh BFCM month. Um how do you get people through the month of October? What are you thinking about in terms of getting set up through the month of October so you feel good? Do you run experiments that you think are gonna run well? Or do you say, like, look, these are the three cadences we know we should be running going into that month? How do you look at people getting set up um to be successful during that time and beyond? Yeah, so
1: October Typically, is a time that we're really thinking about how we can engage in reactivation efforts. So, throughout the course of a year, you're probably only emailing or sending text message marketing to people who've engaged pretty recently. Um, so, they've open, clicked, bend your site, or placed an order within maybe the last 90 days. If you've got a longer repurchase cycle, maybe it's the last 180. Um, But we do know that sometimes people will only come back and shop with certain brands around the holiday period or for steep discounts. So thinking through how to um, run re-engagement campaigns to kind of dip a little bit further back into the file. The thing that's challenging with email marketing in particular is that you can run into deliverability issues. So your emails can land in spam if you're sending any sort of spammy signals. So if there's major spikes to your send volume... Um, If you see a really big uptick in unsubscribes or spam complaints, so you have to be really careful and kind of go slow and steady and deliberately um, dip back into the file to to see kind of where you're reaching um, a point of diminished returns in terms of getting people to actually engage. So that's one. Um, The other thing I like to do is run um, additional A-B tests on our capture pop-ups on site, So just making sure that we've got a really dialed in offer, that we're testing the creative, um, whether that's photography that's included on on the pop-up itself, the incentive, the way that we're talking about signing up for the list. um, That's a big one. I think a lot of brands just put a pop-up up up and are like, it's done and move on with their lives. (laughs) Um, But the more that you can achieve incremental gains, even if you're getting a 1% uptick in your submission rate, it can be really huge for audience growth. Um, So really at the end of the day, like the contacts that you capture in October are the people who are gonna convert. In November, you're not getting, for the most part, you're not getting new people coming to the site on Black Friday, signing up and converting that day. So it's really important to use October to try to expand your file as much as possible. Um, Outside of that, For brands that don't yet have key triggers set up, they should be getting that in place. So if you don't have a welcome series, I mean, that's like email 101, you should have a welcome series to effectively onboard people, serve up your sign up incentive, make sure that they know everything about your brand, the origin story, the quality of the product, any kind of guarantees or the return policy, those sorts of messages that remove friction from the consideration phase. Card abandonment and browse abandonment. We know that people are shopping around over BFCM, so making sure that you've got those retargeting efforts in place. And then last up is a really solid post-purchase series, which I suspect we'll go into more detail on.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions and then we'll put a pin in in post purchase. Um, so you talked about a few things there that I think, um, really interesting. And like, I'm sure there's some like quick tips on specifically. So one thing you talked about was essentially making sure that first your sends go through. So essentially you're like tranching the sends so that like, again, deliverability isn't an issue. Are there any, Mm -hmm. I don't know, quick ticks. I always say this wrong, quick tips and hacks. Um, that people can use to make sure that they get deliverability on their emails because I do think it, it is an issue that people run into. I mean, I'll even check my spam and there are brands that I have interacted with and purchased from, well, they'll go into spam just automatically, um, which I wouldn't expect that to. I mean, I, you know, I don't mind, um, but it's still kind of surprising when you see like, I don't know, I see Rothy's in there. And I'm like, why is Rothy's? I have I have shoes. I don't know why that would be in there. Um, like my Gmail should know there are, there are purchased... Email like emails in here. The algorithm should know kind of this is a brand that is is fine. Um, but then they'll leave, you know, stuff that's uh, like political that I would unsubscribe from easily. So, um, what yeah. what's kind of your way of looking at that? Are there just some things that people can do very simply to uh, make sure they get high, like better deliverability?
1: Yeah. So I mean, obviously, following um, best practices when it comes to having a healthy reputation. Yeah. Um, so making sure that you're not mailing to unengaged contacts, mm-hmm. that you're getting consent status, that you're not over mailing, that you're watching your unsubscribe rates over time. There mm-hmm. are deliverability monitoring platforms out there that you can use, Ooh. like Mail Monitor and Tipbox, um and MX Toolbox that use actual live um, seed email addresses within actual live inboxes that will tell you if you landed in the inbox or in the spam folder. So yeah. those can be really helpful. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you can't if you can't afford to use a third party vendor, if you're like a super small brand that's just getting started, um, one of the tools that I like to use within Klaviyo is the within their reporting structure, you can look at open rates by domain over time. Um, mm. Open rates in general, as a metric, are less consistent um, yeah. or less reliable since Mail Privacy Protection was launched. Yeah, but. Being able to see if there's a large delta between certain domains in terms of mm. the overall open rates or if you're seeing big Got peaks it. and valleys, that can give you an indication that you might be running into issues on certain domains. Like Hotmail tends to be really finicky. Comcast um, yeah. and the other cable providers can yeah. be really tough. But definitely, if you are like 99% of e-com brands, like probably yeah. 60% of your list is going to be Gmail. So that's the one that you want to pay yeah. really, really close yeah. attention to.
0: Well, I think that's, that's incredible. Also who still uses Hotmail? Uh, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to be friends with Probably people. Probably my mom, oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, for sure. For sure. No, I, I mean, you know, we, we're, we're forced to be friends with them. but if someone uh, who is, is millennial or young are younger, like if you're using Hotmail, you need to, you know, GTFO out of this conversation and go get a Gmail or, or, some, or something else uh, right away. Second thing you talked about was pop-ups. And so something, mm-hmm. I'm a card carrying member of, I hate, the pop-up showing up the second I show up on a site and it not being a unique, it's the same offer I see on every single site. And so essentially that's like, to me, this is uh, just the cost of doing business at this point, And it's not unique and it actually makes me not want to sign up now. Um, and obviously I'm a marketer, so I'm going to be much more sensitive to that kind of stuff. So like let's have what I think in half, but it's still kind of annoying that it isn't, action based and there's interesting like we're just going to throttle the, like, we're going to hit this with people and whoever gets it and does it we're good with how do you look at it because you i think what you were talking about was a lot more nuanced than what i see generally like nine out of 10 times just right when it pops up so how do you think people should actually be doing that to deliver value and also extract value out of the interactions with prospects
1: yeah so i think going back to the incentive first one of the reasons that you end up seeing the same Discount across the board, like it's either free shipping or ten percent off, and yeah. the code is probably Welcome Ten. And <laughs> yeah. in doubt, if you want a <laughs> discount on a site, try Welcome Ten. Yeah, um, is ultimately, I think, rooted in kind of a healthy approach to preserving margin and yeah. getting quality leads. So essentially, yeah. you know, if you're giving too steep of a discount at the outset, you're essentially driving like sign-ups from sale shoppers and they might never shop your brand full price so i think that's where we kind of end up seeing the same discount across the board it's not that exciting um but it works yeah 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 the in terms of timing my preference is to take a look at average time on site for new visitors and get Mm -hmm. an understanding of kind of where that sweet spot is how much time are people actually spending poking around the site learning about the brand Mm -hmm. Where are you landing them and how much education are they getting about whatever you're trying to sell them Um, Mm -hmm. and giving them a little bit of time to digest that and say like, oh, this is a brand I want to align myself with, or this is a product that fills a need in my life, or this is something that I think will help me become the the next better version of myself. I probably want to purchase this because I think that instant hit is a huge turnoff and I never sign up for those. I end up... Dismissing it, I poke around for a while and then I sign up via the footer yeah. if I decide that I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So I think there's ways to be more thoughtful about it. There's that. And then I think most brands just do the, anytime somebody lands on the site, show them the pop up, show it once a week. They don't do anything different. Yeah. But most form vendors and even Clavio native forms have pretty sophisticated targeting. So you can do yeah. more creative things. You could do, The light box pop up for new visitors and if that gets dismissed and someone comes back within a month, maybe do an exit intent that has some sort of different offer. Maybe do a bottom banner that's less intrusive so that you're not Mm -hmm. interrupting the shopping experience. So I think e comm brands tend to default to the norm because they see so many other brands doing that thing and they're like, Well, it must work. And so they don't Mm -hmm. bother testing other approaches to see what might work for their brand.
0: It's so interesting. Um, because what I see happen a lot of times um, in general is a brand, for instance, will say, okay, I want to be like that big brand. Um, Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, you're you're not, you have to be testing 10 X more than they are because they essentially have built Mm -hmm. an immense amount of brand equity that they're able to rely on. So they, they don't have to test. And usually they're not even mentally incentivized to do it. They're just kind of saying like, all right, we just got to get volume through and try to extract the value where we can. And yeah, some of the, they have some really good operators there. Some of them really are looking for those incremental gains because they know like you um, that it's going to have big massive effects when you look at it in mass over time. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have the time and maybe not even the time because I've done these things. It actually takes much less time than you think it does. It's more about the the research you need to do to make sure that you're making informed decisions. And so mm-hmm. I guess I'm not necessarily asking a question more than getting your confirmation on this is like the first few times it's going to feel like a chore and it's going to be hard because you're looking at data. Maybe it's a little bit uh, unnatural to you to look at things this way, but eventually it will just become kind of like, okay, that, that, you know, what you need to look at to make decisions and you essentially just list out mm-hmm. the things you want to try and just test away, um, like, is that something you have seen brand owners either you've worked with or that you, you know, um, get better at over time if they invest and it, it actually leads to good outcomes for the business? Because again, I see brand owners come in and they want to test ads, but they feel like it's a huge burden on them to do that. So, well, it's not it's not really if you build a little bit of a system for yourself and you kind of know what to do, but the mental load that it puts on them, it almost makes it a non-starter. Um, and I feel probably this is this is the same thing. How is that like, what do you what do you experience generally with that and how do you recommend people think about it?
1: Yeah, I think people definitely think like, well, I have to test everything and they jump to this like laundry list yeah. of AB tests that they have to run mm-hmm. to feel like they have a handle on what's going to be most performant for their program. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> I can't say that I've seen brand owners necessarily be like, yes. I love testing. and I'm going to run it myself. Yeah, I've definitely no, they hate seen it. them be they hate like, it. "I'm I'm glad that I've hired you as an agency or as a consultant yeah. to do it yeah. because it's incredibly yeah. valuable information." Um, yeah, yeah. It tends to, I, I feel like founders tend or brand owners tend to fall in one of two camps. They either come out swinging and they want everything like hyper-segmented, really granular, A-B test everything. And like the juice isn't even worth the squeeze because their brand is so small and their audience is so small that like they shouldn't even be doing that yet. Or they want just bare minimum, get it live. And then they don't see any value in coming back to revisit it. So bridging the gap between the two could be tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hear that. I mean, I think that's another big one though, in general is know what you're good at, know what you need help Mm -hmm. with. And don't, don't fight against the current. I I have a thing. I I essentially say it now to everybody all the time. Um, but it's the Bruce Lee, um, be like water flow. Um, and so obviously you're going to have to grind. This is like natural business, you know, standard things you do when you start a business, you've started a business, like there's a grind, but if (laughs) there's momentum, a certain way, don't fight momentum and find the things that accelerate that momentum. So that's a, an operator that you work with. that can help you accelerate those things. Essentially understand what the upside is of working with that person. You say like, okay, I have to invest X amount of dollars in it today. But the upside is this. Let's just work towards getting there and maybe instead of it taking six months because I'm trying to tinker and do all these things like compress that timeline to three months and get the gains that are going to help your business long term and get you where you need to go faster so that then you can continue to reinvest and grow, etc. So yeah. we just talked about deliverability, we talked about pop-ups. I think it's fantastic. We wanted to go and talk about the next stage of the journey. And so I want to obviously give the give the floor to you on that one because you know, I think it's massive post-purchase. Um, mm-hmm. how, how how have you seen people think about it? What is right and wrong about that and then what's to be done specifically?
1: so again i think there's kind of two camps here i think there's some people who think post-purchase marketing doesn't necessarily matter like once they make a purchase the product should speak for itself keep sending them campaigns they'll come back and then i think that there's other people who think if you send an optimized post-purchase flow you're going to be able to get like Mm -hmm. 75 percent of people to come back and that's just not true you can't market your way to customer retention entirely like there's so much more about the customer experience and the experience of the product and the role the product plays in someone's life and their disposable income and where they were in their life when they bought it that that ends up dictating whether or not they're going to come back um, i think one thing a lot of brands get wrong is asking for the wrong thing at the wrong time in the post-purchase experience. So mm-hmm. I see a lot of brands asking for someone to make a repeat purchase right away. Mm-hmm. Like they just bought from you, man, like give them a minute, yeah. thank them, yeah. let them get the product, let them try it, let them enjoy it, Yeah, build some hype, help them understand how to get the most out of it. If you're an apparel brand, mm-hmm. send them some styling advice, send them care instructions, mm-hmm. send them UGC, um, I don't think you should, if you're a CPG brand, you shouldn't be asking them to subscribe right away. Like again, let them Weird. try it. I see that all the time oh my God. CPG brands asking for you to subscribe on the first order. Like seriously, oh, let me try the damn product.
0: It will be the thing that's on the page that is defaulted to. And you're like, okay, yeah. but I just want to try it first. Yeah. I'm happy to subscribe if there's value, um, but, Yes. I mean, first purchase. I don't even, this is the first time we've met. Like we're not going to start dating today. Um, let's just, let's have a conversation. Let's have a drink. That's the first, that's the first interaction we need to have. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Totally with you there.
1: So I, I think it's really thinking, you know, I, I often caution or try not to bring my own bias as a consumer into the things that I do as a marketer. But I think you need to think about it as a human, like what is a natural thing to do in an, in a relationship building mode. And if somebody does something for you, you should thank them and you should give some breathing room and you shouldn't ask them for something again, right away. So, um, I think brands don't do enough of thanking people for their purchase helping them understand how to use it. I see really one-size-fits-all approach to post-purchase journeys. Um, I really don't see very many brands do much marketing of their referral or loyalty programs. Loyalty programs, I I feel pretty not great about. I feel like loyalty programs yeah. do a really good job of rewarding loyalty that was going to happen anyway, as opposed to yeah. incentivizing people to become more loyal. Um, mm. Yeah. But ultimately, I, I think people need to spend more time really thinking through, you know, when does the product arrive? How much time has somebody had to enjoy it? And what's yeah. the right timing to then ask for them to leave a review, refer a friend, or come back and repurchase?
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so I, I think they get really fixated on like, okay, order again, order again. And there's so much more that you can do to make the experience delightful, which then... Yeah can turn them into an ambassador and can generate UGC and can Mm -hmm. get that second order. And then they're much more valuable to you as a brand because they're giving you additional assets to use for marketing. They're sending you new customers and they're making another purchase.
0: I think it's such an interesting one because the like underneath all of this is finance. Um, is like mm-hmm. okay, there are certain things that we need to hit, and so we need to get people to hit, so we can pay back, so we can reinvest the money, so that we don't have to allocate new cash flow to marketing, etc. So can we get them into purchase, or can we know that they're going to be here for a while, so that and then we can spend the money that we know we're going to get from them, etc. Um, yeah, and a lot of that is baked in, and we don't talk about it very often, and. The Mm -hmm. big thing is really interesting. Every conversation I have on this show or privately with anyone, the big thing that happens is there's this really I mean, I think it's healthy, but it's it can be unhealthy sometimes this tension between doing what's right for the company and doing what's right for the customer. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm always about obviously don't give things away for free. because there needs to be some sort of valuation, but make sure that people know the value that they're going to receive so that it feels mm-hmm. like you're actually getting a deal. Um, mm-hmm. And so what you said in some of the, the options, for instance, send them styling tips, send them what they should expect, send them the first couple weeks of their roadmap for using this product. Mm-hmm these things, even if they just glance at them quickly, they're like, well, shit. Okay. I, like, once I get this in the mail, now I know what to do. I'll just come back and read these. Yeah. Or they just at least feel that there's something deeper going on than the exchange of dollar product. And obviously your product needs to kick ass. Your customer support needs to kick ass. These these kind of things are kind of hopefully table stakes for companies. Mm-hmm. But I think We've almost gotten to a point. And so this is really interesting because I have a hypothesis on this. Essentially, like tech on in terms of, of data is always a couple of years ahead of D 2 C, but D 2 C is generally a little bit ahead of, of, of the curve on customer care and how they treat mm-hmm. customers specifically. But what happens is when you adopt something you essentially pendulum swing really far the other way. Cause you're like, okay, we got to index heavily here. This is important. And especially given the kind of the, you know, macro headwinds we're dealing with, with the economy and people wanting to raise money and the capital and all this stuff. Like it is a thing people are thinking about, right? All of this kind of underneath this foundation of, uh, of, um, you know, finance that the companies deal with. What I think has happened though, is you see a lot of tech companies who have gone product led growth and all this, they're really focused on making the customer be, um, at the center of building their, Mm -hmm. their products, but they've got the data. So they don't feel that they need to, this is already there and it's a foundation. So they've focused on the customer. The problem is now on this other side, DTC, for instance, we're now so focused on getting our numbers, right. That we forget that there's a human being on the other side of this thing. And they need to feel valued. And that, that human being that we're making feel valued through a thing that we build for thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. Um, can make them into, like you said, your marketer and ambassador. They can make them into your content generator. You can essentially well, and, extract that you're giving, right?
1: Yeah. And I have like a perfect example of the marriage between that sort of customer first experience and yeah. the numbers matching up, which is we had a client when I was working at CTC, they were a non-alcoholic spirit company. And we launched a post-purchase flow that was targeted to the type of spirit that they bought. And we had text flows that had cocktail recipes that came with shopping Mm -hmm. lists. So you had a shopping list for the things that you needed to make the cocktail on your phone. Yeah. So you can go to the grocery store, you can get all the shit that you need to make your NA cocktail. And then that's encouraging you to drink the drink. It's making it something that's more interesting It's something that you might serve to friends. You're running through the product faster, so you're reordering more frequently, and you're potentially sharing it with friends, and then they're asking you, hey, what's in this? Which means Mm. you're talking about the product. (laughs) Like It doesn't have to be either or. You can do these things that help people kind of bake the the kind of experience with the product into their daily lives and make it something that they want to talk about and that they're using more frequently. I think for CPG, this is so huge too, just encouraging people to use the product and run through it and replenish it at faster rates. So yeah, I think it doesn't have to be either or, but I think you're right. It doesn't, but people end up being focused on one thing or the other and there's a, there is a happy medium.
0: Oh absolutely. I mean what you just said is essentially make yourself part of their story not they should be a part yeah. of your story. And I think that's a really exactly. important one to understand is that's when you get into this amazing space. I mean look, I'm wearing a, a Viori hat, right? I didn't work out today. I haven't done any of those things, but it's a hat <laughs> and it's on my head quite often they're part of my, they're part of the journey. I'll put, I actually have a pair of shorts. I literally, all I wear uh, at this point, um, work from home <laughs> life, but um, they're part of my story now. And like, they'll send emails mm-hmm. and it's like, well, are you going to work out? Oh, are you going to be at home? Like, these are the things you can, you, you can do. And by the way, I don't think they're particularly great at this. There are some other brands that just crush this. But I think the big one I'm taking away from all of this is you need to obviously know how to send things. You need to know where to place these offers. You need to make them unique to your brand. Um, But the big one is the data that you collect through uh, Klaviyo and and the other ways that you're looking at this and the experiments you want to run should all be centered on the experience that you want your customer to have to make sure that they feel as valued as possible. Um, And the other big one was for Black Friday, the customers that you're going to extract the most value from in november are the ones that you gain today so you should be doing as much as possible to make sure that they feel value today and so whatever the journey is post purchase that makes them feel that and everything predicated on your brand that's what you need to be focusing on today to be able to essentially model out and figure figure out what's going to be what november is going to look like for you tell me if that summary is okay
1: I think that is absolutely spot on. Um, I think also just like, I don't want this to be a downer note to end on, but just know (laughs) you're not going to retain everyone that you No, And that's okay. Like it's supposed to be a peak revenue driving period for you. But that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of opportunity to build up your base of repeat customers.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you think so. SAS is a little bit different because it's less volume. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: so you have a higher expectations of retention. But in consumer, mm-hmm. if you think that you're gonna go ten for ten on retention, like that's a that's a bit naive. Um Yeah. I guess yeah. in your mind, again, this is very I'm I'm asking you to make a real bold claim here. <laughs> oh god what's what is a like out of 100 people what should people expect in general obviously every product and category is different um but if you had to say hey i'm just gonna like i'm talking to a friend i don't know anything about your business i don't know your category what should be the expectation i'm putting a big caveat mtor here we're not making a claim this is just kind of like a hey broadly this is what i expect
1: i mean in general Like all cohorts, all time, your healthy repeat purchase rate is 25 to 30%. So I'd say over BFCM, like if you can keep 15 to 20% of the people that you're acquiring in that sale period, you're probably doing a pretty damn good job.
0: Okay. Cause like volume makes up for the retention because you're still getting more customers at that time through the funnel than you would in a normal month, just based on, just based on what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Well, Mandy, you just dropped a banger in here. This was, uh, I, I uh, I feel, I feel smarter. I'm like, Oh shit, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go retool some pencil emails now. Uh, I, feel, I feel good. Um, so th- this was great. Where should, um, where should people reach out to you if they want to chat? Oh man, I'm on Twitter all the time at
1: Mandy Moshe. It's Mandy. With yeah. My, um, or, oh residentconsulting.com.
0: Yes. I would recommend a follow on Twitter and a what's up on ResidentConsulting.com. Um, <laughs> you will not be disappointed. Um, if you think this is a good, imagine if she's you're paying her, what happens? So, uh, <laughs> uh, Mandy, this was, this was a blast. I'm super excited to share this with people. Um, I think they're going to get so much value out of it. I hope we can do it again.
1: Thank you.